Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. And I'm so excited to welcome this month's Location Indie member of the month, Haley Atkins. Congratulations. Uh, Thanks. We're going to talk about your projects and kind of where you are in your location independent journey. And like I said, I mean, I think just learning from people because we all have our own creative approaches. And I think we're able to sort of curate some things when we have these types of conversations of what might you might you all here might be able to learn that you can incorporate into your own sort of um, technique and approach to things, whether it's business or lifestyle design or anything like that. So I should mention your websites first. And if you want to put them in the chat box, just so people can check them out while we're chatting, um, it's motionhatch.com and haleyatkins.com. Atkins. Sorry, I keep adding it's like a Akins. T in there. Akins. <laughs> so sorry. Haleyakins.com. A-K-I-N-S. You want to just give us like a quick overview on on your work and like the, the whole world that you work in? Yeah, so basically, I'm like a motion designer and animator. And I do that freelance. I've been freelance for about three years. Before that, I was working for um, a company called Across the Pond who were internal at Google. So I was doing like loads of Google jobs, eating all their free food, that kind <laughs> of thing. And then before that, I worked for a sports broadcasting company, which I hated. So it was good to work for Google and then go freelance after that. So yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. For those of us that don't know, can you just explain what what motion design is or what, you know, if you want to shoot an example in there, I know people can check out your site, but... Well, it's kind of like animation, but it can be for like titles or, you know, like explainer videos, things like that. I don't know, there's loads of things like Every time you see something that isn't video on like social media and stuff like that, like it's a video, but it looks animated, it's probably done by a motion designer. So, yeah. <laughs> so, when you started freelancing three years ago, was the term location independent like part of your vocabulary? How did the whole location independent side of the journey start for you? Like, when did that word and idea make its first appearance into your vocabulary? Basically, what happened was I was like, oh, now I'm freelance. I want to go to, you know, do some traveling or something like that because I have more freedom and things. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Thailand and Myanmar with my friend. And I was like, oh, well, how can I do that? Like, what do I need to know? And because I listen to lots of podcasts. I actually yeah. like found zero to travel and extra bag of peanuts. And I was like, ah, okay, there's podcasts about travel. That's good. And then obviously that linked me into LI and that's kind of how I found it that way. But yeah, I didn't really know anything about it other than that. And obviously now I'm kind of trying to do most of my work remotely. So this is like behind me in my studio where I work most of the time. But then sometimes I still go in with clients in their studios. It depends on the project and then the clients. So. Gotcha. Yeah. How long into your freelancing career did 
did the whole location independent park get on your radar? Was that like within the first year or was it a little further so, down? Um, when did I join location Indy? like a year ago or something? Okay. So it's, it's probably just before that, like 18 months ago or something. Okay. Well, I'm curious when you first started freelancing, because I know a lot of people like obviously the big part about freelancing is getting the clients because you got to have the money in order to go location independent in the first place. So I'm wondering how you started developing your client base early on and maybe some tips you can give around that. And then, you know, partway through how going after the whole location independent side of things and like taking that approach, if that changed at all the way you run your business. So I guess that's a two-part question, but let's start with the the building up the clients first. Like, do you have any advice for people and how did that work for you and what kind of mistakes did you make and all that good stuff? Yeah. So I think I waited quite a long time before I went freelance. So I kind of knew that I was going to go freelance about two years before I actually did. And then I, you know, kind of every time a producer would come into work, I would sort of be friends with them and all the freelance animators and things like that. So I guess it helps if you're working full time doing something that you want to freelance in, if that makes sense. Because then you can kind of know and utilize all your contacts and be like, oh, you're moving on to a different company. Let's definitely stay in touch and things like that. Not that you should think of it in a like selfish way, but I think, you know, if you have friends that are doing similar things and then they're going to recommend you and things like that. So I think that helps. Also, I think it's just really important to be part of your community. So, uh, you know, a long time ago, I started... Um, just going on Twitter and like trying to add different animation studios and different motion design studios. And then like, you know, just talk to people and be involved in the community and kind of, you know, not go in there with the mindset of being like, Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I need referrals. Everything's about me. Just kind of think like, what can I do to help other people in the community? So I kind of did that and I started this project called Bingomation, which is like uh, like 90 animators from around the world submitted gifts based on bingo calls. I don't know whether everyone knows what, a bingo, what bingo is and stuff, because I guess it's more of a British thing. But, you know, like things like Two Fat Ladies, Legs Eleven and things like that. So that was quite nice. And it was mainly just like, I mean, I wasn't making any money out of it or anything. It's just it was just a free online community thing just to keep give people a deadline a project to work on and then because of that a lot of people on twitter you know sort of knew who i was and i think that really helped like before i launched the podcast and everything yeah that's really cool i'm i love the idea of you know kind of starting something because whether it's a facebook group or you know some unique project like that because then you are you get to meet everybody that's involved with it. And yeah, you're doing a lot of extra work, but then you get to be the one that gets to connect everybody, which is really nice. More than anything else, would the top thing be the relationships or? It's half, I guess, being like asked to work on projects enough that you know one's always coming. So if someone asked me to do something and I didn't really want to, like I didn't feel like it was the right project or they wanted me to go in to their office for months and months and I didn't want to do that. I would just feel confident now to say, 
know normally I work in my own studio or you know you can say work from home or whatever um I think it's just kind of knowing that there's always work around the corner and not being afraid to say no to clients Hmm. that's so I've kind of like just been pushing more for the remote stuff if that makes sense so getting in touch with clients directly like direct to brands and things like that I think that really really helps with um you know the kind of location indie remote working life you know when you're the qualification is you have to it has to be remote then it's pretty easy to figure out like what to say yes or no to right because if it's like yeah if this doesn't fit in with the lifestyle i want then it's not something i'm going to take on so you bring up a good topic around like managing clients because i think this is something that a lot of free well i know something a lot of freelancers have to deal with is you know, setting parameters, like you have the parameters within yourself to like, what jobs are you going to take and not going to take? But then you also have like to manage their expectations. I'm sure you've worked with some good clients and bad, like everybody. Can you share any tips on, on managing clients? Definitely. I think the most important thing is try and like establish like a contract or terms and conditions. So you kind of put everything in there in the beginning because when I've had problems, it's normally because I haven't done that. And then they've come back to me with like loads of amends or something like that, like Mm. tweaks on the project and it could just go on forever. So I think just defining upfront what your terms are like saying, Oh, well, this is our deadline, you know, and then if we go past this deadline, then I'll have to charge you more because this is a project fee for this amount of time is quite a good way. Some people do like, say you've got three rounds of amends and things like that on stuff and just being kind of a nice friendly and helpful person it sounds kind of obvious but just trying to do that because then it makes the clients really like you and then they're more willing to say that you work remotely and things like that Hmm. so I think that really helps I remember when I was doing business development and some other things in the event industry, like I was always afraid to tell people like, I'm in Cambodia right now or something, you know, because I thought that because it's the business world, I thought that people wouldn't like that very much. But it actually turned out that they were quite interested and, and it made me more memorable, which was surprising. Did you find like, do you, do you have any of those type of experiences? Not really. I mean, because I kind of sort of use the remote thing as I can just, I like work on projects and normally here. So I'm like normally in my own studio and then I'll like take a month off to do like another project and things like that. So that's kind of the main thing I'm using freelancing for at the moment is like, you know, like having, you're still like in your home base kind of thing, but just then you can go like away for a month. Like I tra- right. went to Myanmar and Thailand for a month and I didn't work there because I was like, I don't want to, I just want right, to right. go around, you know. But like being freelance allowed me to do that. Whereas before I wouldn't be able to just take like a whole month off and things like that. So yeah. I think for me, it's more that kind of thing. So I don't really do, I mean, I think I will in the future, like do more traveling and working at the same time. But normally I kind of, do a lot of work and then take a few months off and then do another bunch of work. And I'm just trying to encourage other like freelancers to do the similar thing, you know, because lots of them, they go freelance and, and then they like just work, work, work all the time. And I'm like, that's not what it's about. You know, you need to think about what you want to do in your life and then, you know, work for a little bit and then kind of 
do another personal project or something. And then that also helps you get more work if you do that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I want to talk about this. It's like this was on my list of things, just being intentional with what location independent like means to you. Before we move on from the the managing of the clients, like it sounds like your your number one tip is just really being very crystal clear on the deliverables, you could call them, right? Like, yeah. hey, these are, I'm doing this, this, and this. This is the agreed amount rate. And if it goes over this, then we're going to have... And this is the day it's going to be done by. And then we're going to have a conversation. And I, it sounds like... I mean, if you have that sort of template hashed out, I guess over time, you've just learned to dial that in a little bit more. Like, is there anything specific? Like, people should definitely not leave out. Is it? Is it like the end date thing? Or like, have you made a mistake where you're like, oh, crap. Now I'm like... I kind of screwed myself here. Like anything that can help anybody out in that on that front. Uh, I think it's really difficult because it's kind of really project based. Like the sure. different things that you should be thinking about. I mean, one thing that comes up a lot, which is when people get most kind of screwed over, I guess, <laughs> is like when they kind of do work for free up front. So someone will say like, "Oh, can you?" you know, do like a pitch for us or something like that, like an example. And now I would never do that because I had someone recently, a client I really wanted to work for because they were kind of in the like health and well-being space. And I was really enthusiastic about it. And I was like, yeah, this sounds awesome. And it was, you know, directly to the brand. And I was really excited and they hadn't done much animation stuff before. So I was like, okay, like, it's cool. We can do like a little, some little test stuff and things like that. And normally I would say, well, you know, if you pay me for a day or something, then I can do that. And then that's kind of fair for everybody. I just was so enthusiastic about it. I just wanted to like dive in and I didn't do that. And then it ended up, we went back and forward and then they were almost trying to get me to like do the character design before the job had even started. And then I had to kind of say, look, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. You know, we need to kind of talk about the money side of it. And I think that happens like so much. So that's probably the biggest thing to be wary of. And I would say like, don't pitch for free at all. Like, I just don't think I'm always like, cause you have a show reel, you have a website with your design on your graphic design and things like that. You know, people can see what you do. You don't, you shouldn't have to do work for free, basically. If you're able to show them your work, then the work should speak for itself type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. When it comes to like growing the business, because with freelancing, it's something we always talk about in Location India is like a really quick way to go location independent because it's like you and you're like, I can do these things and bam, like you can get started. Um, but as far as like growing that or scaling it, what are some of the things that, that you've done, whether it's like increasing rates or talk about that a little bit, if you could. Uh, most uh, motion designers in London have not been raising their rates for about 10 years, which is okay. shocking. <laughs> yeah. But true, because uh, everyone says, oh, this is the average rate, this is the average rate. And then it's like, well, no, because that's been the average rate since like 10 years ago. So I always try and raise my rate like once a year. And it's normally between like 20 and 50 pound, I guess. I just kind of gauge it on what I think is reasonable and you know kind of it also depends on the value to the client so sometimes if I'm leading a team of animators on a project and I'm like going into someone's office every day and things like that then I maybe I would charge like a little bit more than if I was doing like a little 
kind of more side projects for someone that I kind of knew a bit better or do you know what I mean it's kind of like it varies I I don't really charge the same thing like all the time like I kind of have a base line and then I'll I you know you have what you want and then you have the lowest you'll go and I don't go below that you know I'm always like it's fine to negotiate but I think it's good to have like your range of prices and you're like okay you know I I think it's good I really want to do this job so maybe I'll do it like slightly cheaper than another job that isn't as exciting or something like that yeah or where I'm like leading a big team so it's going to be more stressed and I would obviously charge more for that so I think it depends on the job and yeah I always try and put my rate up once a year and a lot of people don't do that but I'm trying to with motion hatch I'm trying to encourage them all to do that and Hmm. you know and reaching out to clients directly like brands and small businesses I think is a really good way because then you can charge them like a project fee and you know you can hire like sound designers and other animators and do like where you're sort of like acting as the studio so they can be a bit more profitable than just like doing a day rate every day so yeah I like that as like a general easy to remember rule you know it's sticky like hey I'm just gonna raise my rates once a year or twice a year or whatever. But also I think it's important that you know your industry so well that you know what the going rates are. And that's that's key too. So figuring that out. So how do you keep the work coming in? Like what are some of the you call business development or like do you do you continually work with the same clients? Like what's some of your advice around making sure there is consistent income? Because I know that's always a big concern with freelancers, obviously. Yeah, so I have a newsletter, of course, you know. <laughs> Email list. Yeah, you yeah. Just send out like, <laughs> um, you know, things like once a month or once every couple of months. I probably don't do as much as I should, to be honest, cause, mm-hmm. but I think it's when you're busy, you kind of let the stuff slide a little bit. And then also what I do, what I find really helpful is I have just a big, massive document where I save absolutely every contact that I've ever made or, or everyone who's ever emailed me because most of the time what happens is people email me and I'm not free, like I'm not available to do the job. So I'll make sure I straight away put them in the <laughs> spreadsheet so yeah. they don't get lost and I'll, I write like their name, you know, what their job title is, where they are and um, when they contacted me and like that they offered me work but I wasn't free or whatever hmm. the details are. So then I would go through that like when I'm not busy and you know, contact those people and then right next to it when I've contacted them. Cause I think that you don't want to be bothering people. So if it's like been in the past two months then I probably wouldn't, but if it's, you know, most of the time, cause I'm quite busy a lot, I go in there and it's been like six months since I've contacted someone. So I'm like, okay, right. I need to go through and send yeah. them like a personal email and be like, Hey, I wasn't free when you contacted me, but I'm free now. If you have anything, just let me know you know, you don't have to write people essays as well. <laughs> you know, it's nice to just put like a short email, put your availability in there. People appreciate that because all they want to know is that you're available. And if obviously if they've contacted you and offered you work before, I think that helps because they, you know, they obviously have seen your show reel or your design work or whatever. So yeah, I think that's the main kind of things I do. And then also, like I was saying about being involved with the animation community and doing things for them because then they, you know, you get to be known by other animators and I get quite a lot of work from referrals from other people. So I refer other animators when I'm not free and then they refer me and 
So it's mm-hmm. like a little ecosystem. Not looking at them as competition, but rather yeah. like potential collaborators. It's interesting. Like I like the idea of having the sort of go-to spreadsheet of names when things are slow. And I think that's that could be tedious in real time, right? Like you're checking email, you're like, oh, I have to add this person and make these notes or whatever. Yeah. But then you have all that information. That's a great idea, I think, to just to stockpile like potential clients somewhere, whether it's Asana or a spreadsheet or something like that. So um, when you first started freelancing, you know, like some of the common fears, I mean, people face when they're starting a business and even still, like I still face these, you know, at times, uh, like things like, you know, being afraid that you're maybe not an expert enough to do this for somebody and get paid to do it. Or even being afraid, like, I don't know, like, is this the right idea? Am I going to get enough clients for, for this business to work? Like, did you deal with that type of stuff? And how did you, how did you manage like the self-talk? Yeah. Uh, I think that I waited a long time to go freelance. So I think that's why I'm kind of enthusiastically sort of telling other people to do it because I, I really feel the pain. You know, I, I nearly got made redundant like twice. And then now I think, damn, I should have got made redundant so I could have done it earlier because you don't realize what it's like until you're in it. And I know that people worry like, but what if there isn't any work and things like that? But especially in the motion design industry, there's like so much a need for that kind of thing, you know, with all like people doing all this social media stuff, like it's just a growing industry. So I don't think there's much problems around the work is out there. Basically. It's just trying to find the right people who are employing people to do this stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I, I was worried about it, but then when I went freelance, it kind of went, quite well (laughs) you know it was just because um, I'd already like made loads of contacts and made sure I'd kept in touch with them and you know go and buy people beers and you know take the freelance motion designers to the pub and things like that (laughs) like it sounds like kind of a bit silly but that's what you've got to do and just try and find where people are hanging out like I made the motion hatch community and now I hope that's like a place where people can go and we have a document of people all around the world so you can find the people in your area and then like network and hang out with them. And I just think doing things like that really helps with that kind of thing. Because if you have people around you, like we do in location indie, you know, kind of rooting for you, then I think you can't, you can only say like, Oh, it's not going to work so much until you try it. That's what I think. So you just like surround yourself with people who are doing the same sort of thing because then it seems more achievable, I guess. Yeah, cool. So because that was, there was that long sort of ramp up period to freelancing, like was there, was there a moment where you were just like, like F this, I'm doing it? Or did it just, was it just how you described where it was just sort of like, like when you go into a pool, you know, and it's like really cold and you're like, oh, I'll just put my feet in a little first and then you kind of work your way in slowly. Was it more like that? Or was there a thing like, where you're just like, I can't take this anymore. I have to go for this thing. I think it was because I had worked for my company for like four and a half years and I, I was their senior motion designer and I was yeah. leading a lot of freelancers and they were normally getting paid a lot more than me. And I was like, why am I the leader? But right. you're getting paid more than me and then you don't have to be involved with any of the politics and stuff yeah. like that. So I was yeah, like, okay. wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. And then Hold also... <laughs> Yeah. And also because I think 
as a freelancer, you get lots of different projects from different people. So it's quite interesting to do lots of different kind of work. And like in terms of how I went about it, I mean, I knew that I was going to do it for about two years before I actually did. Yeah. Because I was like, oh no. Like, right. But it takes time to work up the courage sometimes. And that's, yeah, that is exactly. the way it is. Yeah. And I tried to get work um, like on the side, like at the weekend and after work, but I find that a bit of a struggle and I know that some people have done that in my industry and they said a good thing to do was maybe like charge slightly less and just make your client aware like look I'm you know doing this as well as my full-time job so because of that I will charge you this rate but when I go freelance then I will charge you like the normal rate if that makes sense so there's like a benefit for you and there's a benefit for them as well um, yeah, I didn't find that worked too well for me at the time. I think that it's kind of changing a lot now and a lot of people are accepting more remote freelancers and stuff. So I think maybe it was a bit different. But um, yeah, so I just kind of had to dive in really. But then I nearly got booked like the week before I was meant to leave my job. So then I was trying to say to my company, can I leave like a week earlier so I can go and work for this company? And then it didn't happen in the end. It just, you know, the job got pushed back or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of gave me a bit more confidence. And yeah, it's basically at one point, I just had to say, here's my notice. I'm going, bye. Right. Yeah. No, but that's yeah, cool. It must've been exciting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it seems like yeah, a lot of people I talk to, it's it's not like, there aren't scary things that happen when you when you make the leap but like like you said a lot of the fears are unfounded because it oh like one of the fears you know for example is there going to be enough work well it turns out there is enough work and if there are other people freelancing in your industry and you see that they're doing it then there's clearly enough work right (laughs) and um just looking at the the facts rather than like oh what's going on here because i think it's easy for us to get into our own heads i like how you know what you talked about before the the idea of saying you're not going to do anything for free for clients right but then you're not saying you won't do anything for free like you're you're organizing these groups and you're doing all these sort of value add things and that's essentially for free i mean you're not getting paid to do it but there's a there's a distinction there i think right because i think it, you could look at it like well i'm not doing anything for free then but that's not really exactly what it is because you're also doing these value add things on the side that you're not asking anything for. And I think that was just kind of one point I wanted to make because I thought that was really smart the way you were doing that. And then of course the podcast I think ties in with that. It's like tell us about the podcast and maybe we'll drag Jeremy on here too because he was a part of this. Like tell me like why, why a podcast and how did it all evolve? Yeah. So basically I think I was trying to think like, I I had the idea for Motion Hatch and I I knew that I wanted it to be a website that helped motion designers do better business and, you know, charge more and how to, you know, make a contract and all these kind of things. Yeah. And some of that is obviously still in progress. But um, yeah, so I'm like not the best writer ever (laughs) because obviously being quite a visual person, I just think that that's where my skills lie. And but I really like talking to people, so I was like, ah, I could do a podcast. And then I was thinking, no, no, that's later down the line. Like that's not like the kind of launch stuff that will be in the future, you know. Mm. And then so I sort of was just thinking about it, and I was like, right, what can I do? And you know, 
I played with the idea of like doing the blog and then I was thinking about hiring other people to do the blog and you know it's just kind of nothing was really going anywhere and I think that we spoke to each other and you were like you should just do something just start community so that was like really good because then I did that and now we have like nearly 900 members I think before the podcast launched it was like 150 or something so I already had like a little group of people in there and um yeah so and this is on uh this is on Facebook right yeah yeah so it's just like a motion hatch page with like a linked private group Mm -hmm. and then people just go in there and we just talk about you know all the business stuff and sure there isn't really anything like that in our industry so people are like yeah it's amazing yeah awesome so that was really good so and then I met Jeremy (laughs) in London and I think he was saying like oh yeah I'm doing this podcast editing and you know it's you should do a podcast and blah 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 and I was like all right yeah maybe I could and I just thought I knew that it was something that I couldn't do on my own because I don't have time to sit and edit everything. And the fact that I didn't really ever want to, like I didn't want to be, you know, doing all of that and like having to write all the show notes and everything myself because obviously the writing thing was like a bit scary to me. Mm -hmm. I think that I will do that one day, like do blog posts and things. But at the moment, the podcast kind of makes sense because, you know, I, I feel like I'm good at, talking about this stuff and good at talking to people so it was just getting over the fear of like listening to your own voice and the the classic (laughs) podcast stuff that why people don't do it but I've had like really great feedback so it's really amazing yeah like when it comes back to know thyself right like I had a similar thing I was kind of like well I like the end result of writing and I want to do more writing next year but I much prefer like having a conversation with somebody so it seemed like, well, just pay attention to what you naturally enjoy, right? Because then yeah, exactly. the project will um, take off. So yeah, I guess... And, and I want to talk to Jeremy about how you guys work together to to figure out how the show was going to be and stuff like that. But it is a big project to have a podcast. So what would be your advice to people that are thinking about doing like, like who should or shouldn't start a podcast, essentially? Yeah, I guess you've got to think about how much work it is because I literally took like six weeks off to launch the whole thing, which, you know, you wouldn't think it would take that long. But I was I was doing loads of interviews. So I have like a backlog of interviews now still. Uh, We launched with like three, three on the first day. And then I think we did like one a week for all month. And then now it's just gone to bi-weekly. So I, I recorded all those like up front. And then there was obviously a like organizing all the guests and everything like that. So I mm-hmm. think it, you've got to be aware of like how long it takes to do these things because I, I thought I knew how long and I thought I knew how much hard work it would be. But even with Jeremy <laughs> helping me, sometimes I'm still like, oh, I don't really feel like recording a podcast or, you know, I don't want to, I'm too scared to talk to this person because they're like one of my heroes and things like that. But then you do it and then afterwards you kind of, you know, it's a bit of a buzz. You're like, yeah, that was awesome. Like, it was so cool to talk to that person. And they're actually really nice and not scary. And, (laughs) you know, things like that. So I don't know, I would just say, like, if you like speaking to people, it's a really good idea. And you're not great at writing, and you want to put all the work in. Or I don't know, if you want to put like a, a lot of work in, but not all of the work, you should hire Jeremy. <laughs> he does a great job at doing like the other half of it. 
So yeah, I just, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have someone helping me. So I really appreciate that because it just wouldn't be in existence. And it's just nice to have like people on your team. So I think, you know, not everybody wants to hire someone like right at the beginning, but for me, it just made sense because obviously Motion Hatch isn't making money at the moment. Hopefully it will be soon, but my freelance businesses, so that kind of feeds into that. And now I kind of realize it's a big kind of ecosystem, which I didn't think about before, but because that doing the podcast has raised my profile with people in the industry. So mm-hmm. I think that gets me more work and stuff as well. Yeah. It builds your connections and everything like that. And of course, there are many styles of show. You settled on an interview style, I guess, because that makes sense. I mean, you want to talk to people you did want to interview other people and connect with people in your industry. Um, you know, for some might be a narrative or something like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, so when you guys were working together, maybe Jeremy can chime in here and talk about like just the beginning stages of starting the podcast. Like what would be your advice around figuring out, like getting some clarity around what the show is actually going to be? Because I remember like having this blank slate and just sitting down with a pen and paper and being like, okay, like I want to make the show. What What is it? You know, that's an interesting process. So I want to hear how you guys worked through that. I never really questioned whether it was going to be an interview style thing or not, really. I think it's because I thought I didn't really want to sit there on my own and just say all this stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I want to get people on who are better than me so I can learn from them too, you know, right. so I can become better and then hopefully teach the audience to be better as well. So I don't think there was much of a question around whether we'd, we'd like have guests on and things like that. And obviously, because the benefit is, you know, being connected to these kind of high profile people in the industry. When we met at the pub last year at the LI London meetup, I think it was then that I recommended one of my clients shows to Haley as like something she might be interested in because it's basically exact like motion hatch for video producers, specifically like wedding filmmakers and corporate um, and commercial filmmakers like small studios. And so I was like, Oh, you should check out that. Cause it sounds like they're doing what you want to do, except in a different niche. And, uh, and so she started listening to them and became like a fan of their show. And, and she was just on their show this week, or she did the interview for it. It'll come out later, which is interesting and cool. <laughs> Once she started listening and I'm editing it every week and, and know them really well. It's like all these ideas are pretty much, they need different wording to speak to the motion design audience, but like, just like borrowed a lot of that stuff that, or, and it, even if not like borrowed one-to-one, it's like, Oh, these are topics that could be, you know, applicable to motion design as well. And, you know, a lot of it's just general freelance business stuff, but you know, if you make it specifically for your audience and use examples and people within that industry, it feels completely fresh. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's something that's working out really well because it sounds like it's been well received. So congratulations on that. Yeah. It's no, it's no small thing. So <laughs> No, it's great. It's uh it's done a lot better than I ever expected it to. So it's just about how to, you know, make it do even better now to, you know, try mm-hmm. and get to the next level. I'm pretty pleased with, you know, how it's gone. I think we had like six thousand downloads in the first month, which for a niche podcast I think is fairly yeah. decent. One of them was over a thousand downloads in like one week because it was quite a guy who was kind of a bit more like higher profile and it was awesome to get him on because I was really worried and me and Jeremy had a lot of conversations about 
whether I should ask him to come on the show before it was launched or wait until it was launched and then kind of reach out to him. So it kind of had some social proof, if that makes sense. Yeah. But um, I reached out to him before it launched and I'm really glad I did because on the first day he put it on his newsletter and I think he probably has like, I don't know, I'm guessing like 20,000 people on there who were like my Mm -hmm. direct audience. So uh, the site got like 3,000 um, visitors on the first day and things like that and you know without him putting that on his news I, I don't think it would have got that much traction so that was awesome don't be afraid to ask right yeah exactly <laughs> that's my number one learning from this process Just yeah don't ask everybody be like oh come on my podcast I sent him cool. like an example like the first podcast it was someone he knew as well so I think that helped hmm there's a great book by Amanda Palmer called Ask. I think it's just called Ask. Yeah. If you haven't read it, I'd, I'd recommend it. That's great. And it's also important to remember, like, I think for everybody here and everybody that's doing the whole location-dependent thing, like, especially when you're just starting something new, like a podcast or something, it's really easy to kind of like look at what's out there and be like, ah, it's already been covered. What do I have to add to this? And that sort of like mentality. But it is has not been covered by you and you're the unique voice, you know? Um, nobody can be you. So that's something I think to remember when you're starting something new, content creation or anything like that. Like you're gonna have your you're gonna infuse your own personality into it and that can't be replicated. So okay, so I wanted to ask you just uh on a couple more themes around like business. Cause when you work for yourself, like some of the challenges can be you know, around like developing habits and like figuring out how to prioritize goals and things like that. Do you have any things that totally have been working for you where you're like, yeah, this is how I do it. And this works well for me, like figuring out what you need to do every day um, and sort of getting into like a daily routine, if that's possible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a big thing that helps me is coming to this office space because, you know, it's kind of like, even if I don't have like a paying client, I still come here every day, Mm. you know, the same sort of times. Um, And I have normally other people around me. So there's like an illustrator, another animator and a photographer. So just having kind of, I guess, a bit of accountability on that front, like that you're going to be here doing stuff that helps me get a lot more done because I just feel like, oh, you know, I don't just sit at home in my pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) You know, stuff like that. I think that's the main thing. And then I like just try and write down all the things that I want to do. And then I have like big, like Asana and I put stuff in there. So like we've got a podcast schedule. So I know exactly like what's coming up. And then I like have just like more of a to-do list style thing in there. And then I have a list of resources for Motion Hatch. And I have a list of things I want to do with Motion Hatch. And I think it's just kind of trying to accumulate everything in one place so you can regularly look at it and decide what is the priority I guess I'm not and, and for, I don't for you I'm that's a, this, sorry for you that's Asana is that what you use yeah yeah I think okay. it's really handy because I just like the way you can lay it out and things like that and yeah. have, like you have different projects and you know I just have different they're sort of like little bins I guess where you can put in like you know, motion hatch podcast schedule, motion hatch resources, things like that. And then I just try and look at it regularly. I don't think I'm the best at this kind of thing. Normally it's like whatever is coming up next, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But I try and like, you know, have 
like meetups with people and meetings and I speak to Jeremy like every week about what we're going to do with the podcast next and obviously doing like a location indie mastermind every week as well and I think that just helps you keep going and realize what's sort of important and sometimes other people will say no maybe you should do this and things like that so yeah yeah having the accountability and like the sounding board as well is huge yeah exactly absolutely no yeah we're, we're working on having a an expert for next year coming in to, to give his whole uh, our buddy matt who's he's like an asana ninja and um mm. so giving his whole system and, and sharing that with the community and i use asana as well so if, if anybody doesn't use project management software that it's free it's asana.com and yeah if you're if you're like one of those like ah, i gotta figure out how to get organized and keep track of all my ideas i think it's it is a cool resource. I used to use Trello, but then I switched to Asana. So, and I like it. Going back to what you said a while ago, I said I was going to revisit this um, because what, like, when you define what location independent means to you, it means something different to everybody. And that's like one of the things we love about it. Like, you can say digital nomad, and I think that people just think, well, okay, that's a laptop and you're traveling all the time, but not everybody wants that. And you're very much somebody that wants to have a home base and wants to like if you travel for a month you don't want to have to work so like yeah. that's and that's great that that like you know who you are and what you want and i'm just wondering like did you do any like sort of intentional lifestyle design if you want to call it like that like did you take time to try to define what it meant to you or did this happen organically i think that i would like to try and kind of go and work somewhere for a month or something like go to croatia and live there for a while and work there but I just know, I know because of doing traveling before, like I don't want to be like running around all the time and trying to work and travel. And especially because, you know, I like having my things like a big monitor and like, you know, like a Wacom tablet and things like that, which helps me. It's your toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me like in the work mode. And um, so, yeah, I think it would just be kind of tough for me to do that. So I think it's more like, I don't know whether I intentionally started to do that but I intention very intentionally are trying to get all my clients remote so that I can leave London and Mm -hmm. then live somewhere else that's really cheap but still have all my London clients so then you know you have a better life because of that and then you know maybe be able to go and live somewhere for six months and work there or you know move somewhere else but I don't know whether it is intentional or not like some things are but I don't think I was I'm no, I don't really want to be like someone who's like traveling around all the time. I guess it's to do with like age and stuff as well. No, I think that's cool. I mean, like, however you got there, you, you know what it is you want. And I think it's definitely beneficial, you know, because you know how that fits into what you're trying to do. And of course, that can change because we're all always, you know, changing things that we want, you know, every year or whatever, or maybe not, but it's good to know how you're going to make the other pieces fit with that and, and that that you can prioritize the lifestyle side of it because that's what this is all about too, right? I mean, you have to build a business and everything, but if you get to a point where you're miserable and you're not doing it in the way you want to live at the same time, then you're like kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I think like my whole thing at the moment is I want, you know, eventually to do like a course or something for Motion Hatch because I don't just want to do animation projects for clients all the time. I really want to help people be better at the business side of things because as creatives, 
like I'm sure you know, we're really, really bad at business stuff sometimes. And I like find it like quite exciting and I like the hustle and things like that. And I know loads of people in my industry are like really scared of it. They're scared of asking for more money. They're scared of like being freelance. They're scared of talking to clients. Like they just hate it. So I just think to me, it's really exciting to kind of be able to help people with that side of things instead of just doing stuff for clients all the time because it can kind of get a bit tiring after a while. Mm -hmm. I think this kind of brings it full circle. But like you were saying, like two years prior to going to starting freelancing, you already knew you were going to do it, right? So it sounds like you already have this idea for this course. But in the meantime, you've got this private Facebook group. You're and I know Jeremy's doing this with his group too. Like you're just engaging, you're building up the relationships there. And then when you do launch something, you're not putting it out to like a bunch of strangers. Um, you've already been working with people and providing them value and everything for free, which is uh, great. And like a private Facebook group doesn't cost any money either. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's a great way to, to kind of do things. Is there any other advice you'd like to share around going location independent on your terms? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just trying to find different things that work for you. And it's more like thinking about what what are you passionate about and kind of, but like what also what's out there that isn't really being tapped into because that's what I feel like motion hatches. You know, it's something that I'm passionate about, but as well as that, no one else is really doing it. And there's a couple of people um, who are kind of touching on it. And then I've had them on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like trying to just, I don't know, just be, just try and work hard and really push for what you want. And that's, you know, what I'm doing with trying to work remotely more and things like that. Because I think people will be like, oh, we can't work like this. We don't want to do this. But I don't know. I just keep pushing myself into situations and it keeps working. So that's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> And cool. ask and just ask like people who you look up to to you know help you out or be on your podcast or I don't know, write a guest post for them and things like that. Don't be afraid to ask, right? <laughs> exactly. No, thank you so much, Haley. And you know, seeing you go after these things and launch the podcast and like just like I said in the beginning, just continually doing stuff and just consistently making things happen. I mean, that is what it takes. And um, that's why I wanted to feature you as a member of the month this month in LI, uh, along with also the fact that you're just an awesome gal. And we've chatted a bunch. And uh, (laughs) now we really, really appreciate you being a part of the community. And thanks for sharing your time and your advice here today. Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.